brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at americanyogi.com. American Yogi is proud to support the Brass and Unity podcast and its community with the code BRASS15. Join the mindful counterculture. Live American Yogi. Mark Turner is on the show today, everyone. I know you have seen him around. I know you've been watching him on everyone from Sean Ryan to quite literally every other podcast in our community. But it is my turn to talk to this Scottish man. It is my turn to find out more about this, what I would consider a modern day hero for many people in the shadows. This is the guy that goes above and beyond, leaves his family at the drop of a hat and goes and shows up for people when no one else will. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Mark. Thanks for having me. And that's, uh, that's some introduction. Hopefully, hopefully I live up to that, you know, um, but no, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's great to be here and talk to you. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I think you've already lived up to it a long time ago, a long, long time ago. I think right now you're just showing what it means to put your money where your mouth is. That's the difference. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, look, I never, <laughs> I never planned to actually do anything like this. You know, I just, it's not like I sat down with, with the, the, a team or even like my business partner that I have a couple businesses with and said, let's do this thing. And let's do it like this and, and have some planning and, and strategy around it. It just, it just kind of happened. And then when I, when I saw that number one, I could do it. And two, I had like the support of, of a backend team as well as guys that come out into the field with me. It's like, okay, well, if we can, if we can do this, if we can actually get the work done and, and it's helping a lot of people, well, now we need to plan. Now we need the strategy and now we need to figure this out so we can sustain it, you know? So yeah, it just kind of came out of, came out of nothing really. Well, let's, before we get into the Overwatch Foundation, let's talk a little bit about your background because you are a really fascinating, very accomplished human being as many are in this community, but you took it to another level to say the least. You, 
how many Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts are we? What, what's the deal here? How um, far along well, are you? Yeah, so I started training Brazilian jiu-jitsu back in 1997, back when most people didn't even know what Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> was. Obviously, um, you know, Hoist Gracie was a few years on the scene with the early UFCs and and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I wrestled in, in high school here in America and and stumbled across jujitsu through someone that I knew that I thought it was karate, right? He said, this <laughs> and I'm thinking it's karate. And I'm like, what is this? You know, I used to do karate <laughs> when, I was, when I was really, really young. And uh, yeah, quickly learned it's not karate. And and started training jiu-jitsu then and 2012 i got my black belt in brazil from damian maya who wow. obviously is uh you know he's one of the the top all-time wins uh in ufc history and all kinds of records for submissions and all this i mean when you think of jiu-jitsu in the ufc now it's kind of like he's the guy he's the guy and and obviously i was you know he was a friend of mine and became my coach and I was his first non-Brazilian that he gave a black belt to, uh, which was, you know, unbelievable. And to have him as a friend and a coach and and be with him through his whole career in the UFC and and him winning in Abu Dhabi and and just all of this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's crazy now. I've been I've been a black belt in jiu-jitsu for 10 years. Like I've been in a black belt as long as it takes to the average person to get a black belt. So it's kind wow. of crazy when you, when you think about, about that, you know? It is. Time flies. I mean, martial arts are such a wonderful community builder in every sense of the, of the word. I think martial arts are the reason I, one of the reasons I'm still here today and not, you know, in trouble with the law or some other ridiculous reason. Although I do wish instead of spending most of my, you know, my life training in Taekwondo, I wish it was a more useful application like jujitsu i'm learning now obviously you don't see taekwondo mixed in near as much as you would see jujitsu grappling wrestling or, or those more like hand-to-hand -hand, less striking i also could have done without the amount of concussions and kicks to the face but but you know there is something great about martial arts that a lot of people i feel like in our society are they're either gravitating towards or they are going the complete opposite direction because of the masculinity that comes along, you know, wrestling with men and all of that. And I think it is so useful with young humans when developing a human being. Um, how old were you when you started? Uh, 17. Okay. So, and I mean, now we have a, we have a, my academy now has three, like 300 students in there. A lot of them are children. And, you know, what we see with the kids, obviously there's bullying or, or is a problem in schools uh, mm -hmm. nowadays. And I never wanted to have a kids program, but when we started it, um, you know, you see what it does for these kids, obviously the, the regular stuff you could think of when it comes to, to martial arts, but like the discipline, the you know, the confidence that comes in whenever you talk about wrestling, martial arts, but it's kind of the way we do it. It's like, look, if you're stuck on bottom, no one's coming to help you. Your mom, your dad are not coming to help you. They're not, we don't even allow parents in the training room. The, the parents, if, if you want to watch, you can watch on a video monitor out in like a parent's room that we have. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, hey, you're in there. You need to figure this out. And, 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 you know, it gives them that little bit of adversity. So then, 
I don't care how old you are. If you're eight, you have eight-year-old adversity. If you if you're twelve, right. you have twelve. You know, if you're forty, like myself, you have forty-year-old type adversity. Um, but I think learning how to deal with that at a young age is great because if you're kind of coddled as a child all your years through school, now you're 18, 20 years old, and you get some real life adversity, you've never experienced it. That's when people can kind of, in my opinion, take the wrong turn or, or, you know, they don't know how to handle it. And they just pick a route to try and deal with what they're going through. And that route could lead them to actually solving the problem, it could lead them to drugs, it could lead them to, you know, to just doing other things like, like you had mentioned, trouble with the law, and I think learning that at a young age really helps these kids. And we see it in them. You know, we, we've had kids in there for years now and, and you just see the difference in them. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Jiu-Jitsu is an incredible, incredible thing. It's such a beautiful sport. I witnessed it. We put my son in it. He's six years old now. He's taking a break for the winter, but he did it now. He's going into his gray belt. And he, the wonderful thing I learned about going to a competition with, uh, jujitsu, you know, with Taekwondo, when I was in that sport, it was very, it was very competitive. There was community within your club, but outside of it, it was like the competition is there. And it's like, if you lose, it's not the same thing. When we would go to these events, um, that were held, you know, with the the Gracie bars and all of this, we would go to these, uh, jujitsu tournaments, even though my son got second place, I remember texting Andy Stump a photo and he goes, let me know how little man does, you know, let me know if he loses, let's see. So he, he lost his first fight or his first um, role and he didn't want to go back. And the coach came over and said, Jack, it's not about if you win, did you learn something? Right. Did, what did you learn? And it sparks a different way of thinking in kids. Instead of saying that there's winning, there's losing. You can lose, but what did you learn? And that right. was what was really beautiful, very empowering for me and for him. But also just to see that that is a very different community that is incredibly widespread. And it seems like it's booming across the world. And if anything, it's going to give what I'm hopeful is these boys and girls, well, more in particular, these girls a leg to stand on. They don't have to act as if men are all dangerous. They don't have to act as if they can't be safe on their, like by themselves walking down a street. When I go to Chicago, I learned this the hard way. Um, you don't walk around with a nice purse and a laptop. Like you don't do it. You know, you just don't do it, but you also shouldn't be fearful of that either. You should be able to feel comfortable in your own skin. And that's what jujitsu gives. And I think it's a, a really incredible thing. And I, I push parents to put their kids in sports, especially into a martial art, because you never know what's going on at home. You never know what's going on at home. But if you can give that kid a moment of peace in a club with people around them that they feel loved from, that could be enough because they might right. not be getting it anywhere else. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I think it's so, so important to highlight how, how great martial arts really are for children. Yeah. You know, my, my opinion, whether it's children or adults, everyone should try it. And then if it feels uncomfortable and feels kind of awkward, you should keep doing it and, and wait until that kind of uncomfortable feeling or that awkward feeling goes away, then evaluate if you like it or not. Right. Because, because to say, I don't do that because it makes me uncomfortable. It's like, what? Wait, <laughs> You're not doing something. And the only reason you're doing it, or the only reason you're going to stop doing it is because you say you feel uncomfortable. Like to me, if that's uncomfortable, 
you should be doing more of that, right? Lean I mean, in, it, lean in. People have a very kind of, maybe, I don't know if backwards is the right word, but I mean, I'm not really worried about offending anybody, but it's a, it's a, backwards, <laughs> a backwards way of thinking about it. I mean, if it's uncomfortable, and, and we see that as well, we see guys come in and like, I like this because it's really difficult. I like this because I get killed every day I come in here and and it's them accepting that challenge. And it's not a challenge of beating this guy or beating that guy. It's the challenge of them figuring it out for themselves, you know? And it's just, it's cruel because where else could you be in the same room working through the same problems as like a doctor, lawyer, construction worker, student, um, it's just such a strange mix, but everybody's there for the same reason and everybody's helping each other. It's, you know, you, you don't know who you're on the mat with, basically, you know, it's, it's an incredible atmosphere and environment and, you know, everybody should try it. I know I watched a video of Greg uh, Anderson. I think he, do you know, Greg Anderson, he's got a jujitsu in uh, Washington. He's in the oh. community as well. I'll have to connect you too. Cause he would be great. Um, but he put a video up, he has a club and he put a video up and he got tapped by, no, sorry. He got put to sleep by, I think it was a 17 year old. Um, and there's a video of it and he was asleep asleep, but yeah. what was really great about it was he spoke about it with such respect. He's like, this is the one sport where it doesn't matter your age or your size. You can get put to sleep by a tiny human if they yep. apply the right pressure. And that is a, it's a level playing field. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad that you are uh, pushing that forward, not only with yourself, but with others and showing and, you know, leading the way, like I said, you really do exemplify what it means to be a leader in multiple different disciplines. And I want to get into kind of how you, how you really got into the Overwatch Foundation, which seems like it came from time and service. So can we go into a yeah. little bit about that? Well, kind of, but kind of not. So, uh... <laughs> You know, I was I was in the Marine Corps for a bunch of years and, you know, combat deployments and all that good stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I got out of, of the Marine Corps and and it was going through much of the similar stories that you've heard and, and talked about with people regarding like, you know, what happens after when you've kind of seen and done some things. And, and at that time, I never really number one, there wasn't as much resources as there was now as there is now and, and maybe there was but i when people say okay there's this resource there's that resource make sure you go get checked here make sure you go see these people you're talking to a 20 year old early 30 year old they're just gonna be like okay just hurry up and finish your spiel so i can go out right like so i can get out of here and go be with the guys or go work out or get my you know it's the weekend like whatever that case because you don't really take it seriously obviously god forbid if you're wounded in combat and you know god forbid you need some kind of operation or, or some kind of medical treatment you're kind of stuck but for for guys who don't really have that or or even after that fact where okay i've had my operation my hand arm leg whatever is healing um there's still this time where you just you just don't know right i mean I, I have a good friend right now who just got out after some crazy service like exemplary you know tier one level service um in the u.s military and you know he's a few months out of of of, of being finished with his career and you know you can see he's like okay i need to figure this out i don't know what i'm doing and, and he's on the right path and he's 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 doing fantastic but you can see it's a struggle. And, and I kind of went through that and I said, okay, 
let me go and try and get a job. So I got a job in finance because like to me, it was <laughs> to me, it was like, you know, you know, how people say turn the page like I turned the page there in my life. Right. To me, it wasn't turning a page. It was like closing that whole book and then trying to open a, a whole other book. And and so it's like, all right, well, let me do this. And it's funny because so many veterans get into finance initially when they when they get out. It's a, and I have an interest in it, you know, but but it just it, it feels that, odd. Yeah, for that time, it was not what I should have been doing. And so kind of bounced around a little bit and then got into contracting. So I got into like surveillance contracting, human surveillance, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, some stuff in the US, but mainly like Mexico, uh, Central America. It was mainly Mexico at that time because everything that has been going on and is going on down there. So I did that for a while, but that was kind of just as stressful and just as crazy. And, and I mean, it was great. I, I liked it. Um, it was, it was fun. It was, it was exciting. It was challenging. Um, but it kind of, it kept pushing me down that road of like, you know, I had a bunch of anger problems. I had a bunch of, um, like show, like so short tempered and just all that kind of stuff. I just didn't know how to be, you know? And so I got out of that and, and then my, my thing was, okay, now I really, I'm going to find another book. I, I always had jujitsu there. Thank God. To, I could always go back to that. I could always lean on that. I could always kind of, that was kind of my rock when it came to what am I going to do next? I always had that there uh, and gave that a lot of focus and, and that really helped me. But I came to a, a point where I said, I'm just going to disconnect. Like I'm going to disconnect. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with the the quote unquote community. I don't want to be around veterans. I don't want to talk to anybody. And you know, I mean, now I see that that was that was wrong, right? I mean, some of the biggest supporters of of me now and what I'm doing and and in helping me are people who have went through similar circumstances with me. But at the time, I just didn't know. Like, I just didn't know, and I felt like if I just get as far away from this as possible, maybe that will help me. And, and it didn't, but, um, you know, and then I, it just came when the, when the Afghan pullout happened and this is how we, how we kind of got into it. when the Afghan pullout happened, it bothered me. And I reconnected with a couple of people and was actually going to go over to Afghanistan and help with some of the pullout. Um, with a group down in Virginia beach. And so I went there and had some meetings and was kind of kicking the tires on it. And I uh, was in a totally different place in my life at that time, obviously. So the reconnection was, it wasn't like a planned thing. It just happened and it was smooth and it was good. And, and then I came home from those meetings and it was right at the time when Hurricane Ida was going to hit in Louisiana. And, you know, I always liked watching hurricane coverage, natural disasters and stuff like that. It just fascinates me, right? Like the, the okay. physics of it the physics of it and just like what mother nature can do and, and how people respond and stuff. It's just, it's kind of, it's unbelievable, you know, it was early in the morning and I said, I don't know, maybe I could get some guys together and, and go down and, and be like very first response to this hurricane. I have no background in that. Like I've never done that before. I don't, you know, I, I don't have a boat. Like I, <laughs> I had no, I had no plans. I just was like, I know some guys and maybe we could do some stuff. So I, I text one of my friends and I said, Hey, what do you think about this? And he just sent one word reply. And it was yes. And, and his, 
at, like I sent this whole big long text message and he just replied yes so I was <laughs> like all right well I guess we're doing this now and so I I we got together a couple other people and we um we just grabbed our gear we did one bass pro shop run to get some supplies uh like we got some it's funny we got rope mres and uh some life jackets and probably like some other little small miscellaneous thing like nothing it was like you know you throw a couple guys in a bass pro shop and it's like okay go we have 10 minutes grab some stuff and and that's what we did and then we just got in a truck and drove south we didn't know where we were going we didn't, you know, I was like, we have 18 hours in a truck. We can plan on the way, right? We're right. Not, we're not going to spend another 18 hours to plan and miss the, the the day zero, right? Like the zero hour point of this thing hitting. So yeah, that's what we did. And, and we were able to do some really cool things down there at the hurricane as far as helping people and, and just managing the logistics and, and getting us into places and speaking to the right people and, and kind of just using those skills that we had all had um, from our service to, to affect change and to help people. And I remember when that was all done, coming back from that, I was like, maybe this could be a thing. Like there was no thought, there was no overwatch. There was, there was nothing. And it was like, but maybe we could do something here. And then we got involved with the Afghan situation stateside when, when they had all came back, they were at various um, military bases all across the U S and they had them. It, it was, it was a crazy situation. It was, it was basically the army, the big army, the state department and a bunch of NGOs trying to quote unquote work together to, to figure this problem out, which was, you know, and, and it got to the point they had, people from different tribes in the same squad base they had you know single males and with families and they just had a lot of cultural stuff that you don't want to do with a people group like that and right it was causing problems right you had the army there the 101st airborne was there and that's not their mission to do that and so they were kind of salty on on having to relocate to these kind of random kind of like national guard or, or old mm -hmm. army bases where they were housing these people. And, and we just kind of saw the problem there and got involved and, and went into like what I call the villages there. It was basically complexes of just big squad base um, and squad bay buildings. Um, and we just mingled with the people. I mean, it was unbelievable. We found people there in those villages that, you know, spoke better English than me. They, they had, uh, they had worked with the U.S. military since the beginning of the war, and you know they kind of knew all the ins and outs. You're like, this guy is basically an American, you know? Like it's right. such a it was such a strange thing, and it's like, why aren't they using these people to help? We we found a woman in there in one of the camps, and she had run for president of Afghanistan. And it's like, how do you not know about this? And if you do know about it, why are you not using her? to help with some of the organization of these people. So um, yeah, we got involved there, uh, did a bunch of trips up there and we did kind of the humanitarian stuff. We, we brought clothes, we brought toiletries and, and that kind of stuff. But then we just got involved in the ground there as well. And again, it was that other little thing where it was like, okay, maybe we have something here, right? Like maybe we can do this and, and get some stuff going. And then it was at that point where, we were really kind of leaning towards starting an official thing 
And then that's when my, my, we found out my daughter had the brain tumor and then everything kind of went on hold for a couple of months there while we were, while I was dealing with that. Um, we didn't make any more trips up there. Cause obviously that's, <laughs> that, that takes precedence over all of that kind of stuff. Um, and by January, all of that had kind of calmed down. And then February is when, you know, the kickoff to, to us being in Ukraine happened with Yuri. So let's 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 bring it back a bit and kind of dive in. You 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 put a lot of information in there for people to understand. So when somebody goes into um, a location where there's either a hurricane or a mass evac, can you kind of walk through what that's like um, if somebody wants the support or even help? Because when you're going into these, I mean, we have hurricanes. America has hurricanes. You have them frequently enough where people should understand number one how to look after themselves in case of if they're living in those locations or how to either contact people for support because we all know for a fact the government's not going to be the ones to do it correctly sorry i've i've been incredibly critical about the afghan pullout as we had the head of the women's rights commissioner we moved the her we moved her she worked for the government she was the head of women's rights and they completely left her canada left her and nine of her family members to be hunted down and killed. Canada left 3,000 Canadians. They brought a plane in empty and left with it empty. They brought in 75 soldiers from Canada. And instead of dealing with it and helping the individuals that worked with us, our current administration, Justin Trudeau, did a snap election and put a media blackout on anything to do with the Afghan pullout. So that was a living nightmare for any Canadian G holders. So can, when you're talking about hurricanes, when you're talking about things like this, how does one even go about getting support or getting help if they're involved by being there? Like, how do they even do this? Yeah. So if it's a natural disaster, like let's say a hurricane, obviously like something like a tornado is a little more difficult. There's not as much, um, not as much warning, let's say, right. I mean, you can just be like, okay, some thunderstorms are rolling and all of a sudden it's a tornado and it directly hits your area. Um, but so more so for like a hurricane where there is some time to plan and I get it. Hurricanes can change directions and you didn't think it was going to hit your area. And now it is. My advice is if you're in one of those places and you're going to live there and you know, you're in one of those places and you know, you're going to live there, have an evacuation plan. Don't have a stay in place plan. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and like, okay, but we have food stored up. We have water stored up. All that stuff is great. Um, we have generators. That's all great. My advice after seeing it and doing a couple of these things is just leave. Leave. I don't care if you if you have family somewhere, like let's say you live in Florida and you have family in Chicago where I live. Okay, have a plan. Speak to those family members and be like, hey, no matter what time of the year during hurricane season, if we have to come up there and stay for a week, can we make that happen? And and if not, if you don't have any family, go to Disney World in California for that. Go go somewhere. Go see Nashville. Go whatever you want to do. Go to New York City. Have a plan in place to leave and do something. Don't try and stay there and stick it out because I've seen houses of people that were ready, that did have all of their food stores, that did have all of their water stored up and and had generators and all this, and it did not matter. Like I've seen many people really? where it did, and that's helping them. And, and the generator is what is keeping them going while the power's out. But I've seen people's whole water stores 
ended up being full of sand because everything just gets blown up and everything gets blown into that water and now you can't drink it. And so my advice would be, if you live in a place like that, have an evac plan, not a sustainment or stay in place or preparation. Shelter in place. Yeah. No, you just, just get out. It's not worth it. Right. I mean, and, and it's not worth the struggle of, of the day after where everything, let, let's say you do make it and there's no injuries, you know, you know, God willing and all this kind of stuff, but your house did get smashed up. Okay, just leave it. A couple of extra days isn't going to really affect anything. Insurance is going to take care of stuff anyway. It's better off you not being there. Like, it's kind of like if, if, if you're in a crowded place and a gunfight kicks out, I mean, you don't have to be John Wick in that situation, right? <laughs> I mean, something to be said too about getting you and your loved ones and as many people as you can out of that area rather yeah. than, Hey, everyone stay here. I got this kind of thing. Right. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with that. Like, no, you need to be training to, to take down, you know, the Russian mafia single-handedly with a pistol. Right. And it's like, okay, you can train for that. But I mean, it's much better getting out of a dangerous type situation, especially when it comes to those disasters, because I've seen some crazy stuff. Like you talk about physics and what, what a storm can do to a house or a vehicle, or it's just, you stand there and you're just like, I don't understand how this happened. Like, I don't understand like what must've went on for this to be the final snapshot. You right. know? So why would you stay there and, and, and chance that? So on the disaster side, it would be, you know, to get out and, and, the same on like something like uh, Afghanistan and, and, and something, whether you're in any kind of place, uh, Europe or, or Africa. And I mean, you had Dean, you had Dean on here. Um, yeah, I'm going down there tomorrow. Yeah. And he, you know, he's the master at that. Right. I mean, it's yeah. have an evacuation plan. And and look, if you're in Afghanistan and you know things are winding down and that maybe maybe America would always have a presence there or maybe not but you know, it's winding down, have a plan in case you have to get out of there. Because like you said, you call up the Canadian government or the American government who you worked for, for 10, 15, 20 years. And you're like, Hey, can you come get me? Can you help with this? No, one's going to answer that phone. No one's answering that phone call. And, and even if they do, and even if they say, yes, we'll help you. Well, we know how governments work, right? I mean, governments don't do much very well they don't do much very efficient right so it's you're relying on them to do something very well and very efficiently in, in the time where you absolutely need it and i just don't think that's where you should put your money right your your money should be on you having a plan to get you out and and there are ways to do that there are people that will help i mean it's but don't wait waiting is the is the is the enemy right time when time's against you you you're stuck. Yeah, this whole uh, idea of shelter in place by the governments, they love that. They, they, when, uh, and we'll get into Ukraine and Russia and what's going on there in a moment, but when, you know, when they were starting to hear a little more, when Tulsi started speaking pretty broadly and loudly, and thank God that she is, that woman is what I would hope more politicians and individuals would have any sort of, even a little bit of her character. If we could give any of them, just some of what she has, we'd be in a better place. But she started speaking very vocally about um, 
the fallout of a potential war of what that could look like. And then New York started putting on the TV shelter in place. If there's a radiation event, if something happens, just stay away from the windows with a lady right. with a big smile. Did you see that commercial? <laughs> if, if you're not, yeah, if you're just listening to this now and you haven't, go your, do yourself a favor, Google New York World War III commercial. It is this, I'm pretty sure it's a white lady with a huge smile just going, it's okay. If the bomb goes off, just shelter away from the windows and shelter in place. We'll get to you and watch for the newest news and we'll tell you what to do. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your goddamn mind? Yeah, I mean, look, if New York gets hit by something like that, <laughs> there's there's not much that anybody's going to do. But, no. you know, to say that and to put that into our minds of instead of teaching children when they're 10 years old, like, hey, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to be ready all the way till they're adults. And we're, we're, we're giving people that preparation mindset, that evacuation type mindset of, Hey, you can handle this. You just need to learn about what to right. do. You, just, you, you need a plan. Instead, just telling everyone, don't worry, the government will come and help you. That I mean, when has the government really ever come and helped anybody? And and look, I don't think that's the role of the government. I don't think it, I don't right. think we should be saying, you know, the government's the one that needs to to feed me or clothe me or or put a roof over my head. I I don't want that, right? And and so to expect that in the time of need, like, I don't, I don't, they're not doing that in everyday life. So to expect that at that zero hour, that, that time of darkness, it's just crazy. And, and for them to be putting that out there, like, Oh, don't worry, we'll come and get you. It's just, it's just silly. But then again, you're silly if you fall for that, you know? Well, that too, that's the other thing. It's about taking personal accountability for your family, yourself, and those around you and knowing that and having that conversation. I know there's someone in the community that says this, and I'm sorry if I've forgotten his name, you know, TBI brain and all. Um, he says, be a lion, not a sheep. Don't be a follower. You need to take action. You need to plan these things out. It's really not that difficult. It can seem overwhelming when you start to sit down and go, I need to put a plan in action. But it's really once you get moving, once you get down the path of it, I don't think it's just about the planning either. I think it's about the one thing that I learned from Dean was most of these people do this as a paper exercise, right? Yeah. Most of these people, most of these companies, it's a paper exercise, but you need to actually walk through this process and look, because for example, he gave us a, he gave us a brilliant example of someone in Africa and they were like, look, we're going to move them from here to here. And he goes, well, what happens if it rains? He goes, well, we'll just take the same route. He goes, yeah, it's impossible. I know that for a fact. Let's do it right now while it's raining. I'll prove it to you. You need to actually go just like a fire drill. You need to practice them. You need to try them. It's not about in, um, intimidating your children or scaring them or anything like that, but it's about empowering them to become little leaders themselves so that if something does go wrong and say the parent gets injured, that child is not sitting there beside you just screaming for help. Right. Yeah. yeah. And ignorance now, I mean, look, it's 2022. We're coming to the end of the year. Now it's, it's December, 2022. Ignorance is no longer an excuse. I mean, you can hop online and learn how to do brain surgery on squirrels at this point. Right. I mean, <laughs> you can Google anything. YouTube is full of all kinds of good, good and bad information, but okay. So take the time to go through it and filter it and, and, and connect with people who are in the know. Right. Or, or, you know, say a guy like Dean, call, text Dean, send him an email. Hey, I need help with something. I'm sure a guy like that would 
give you some basic pointers or point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he, he's a busy guy. He's probably not going to spend all of his time. Like, okay, let me come to you and make a whole evac plan for you, but he can point you in the right direction. And he probably would. And, and so would a bunch of other people in the community. It's like to say, Oh, I just didn't know, or I didn't right. think that it was going to be like this. It's kind of not the, you can't really use that as an excuse anymore. Well, I vouch for Dean and Alana in that exact example. When I I was at my wits end trying to utilize Instagram and every other tool I had at my disposal, I am a jewelry company owner and a podcaster. I had no business being involved in that pullout. But when somebody in the community like Griff from Combat Flip-Flops asks you for help, you don't say no. You know why? Because I know if I picked up the phone and asked him for that same help, he would bend over backwards and do whatever it took to get there. So I called Alana. I said, hi, Alana, I need some help. And then she goes, what do you need? And I go this. And then Dean goes, ah, yeah, no problem. Like if you really reach out to these people, you cultivate these relationships and you just you show that you're trying to be proactive. You don't need them for everything, but you just need to show an example. Can I do this? Is this actually possible from somebody who will understand? It's possible. You can really cultivate a community. You can reach out. And most of the people that I've either had on the show who have been on other shows like Dean, yourself, and anybody, Sean Ryan, any of them, most of those guys, if they're worth their salt, which I know they are for a fact, they will either connect you with someone, send you somewhere, or give you a piece of resource. And that's what's beautiful about a lot of these guys. Not all these guys, but a sure. lot of these guys, they yeah, will but do. That's the same as, uh, you know, like we always talk about at, uh, with Overwatch. It's like, look, if someone says no, or someone says maybe, or someone yeah. says, let me check on that, you don't even, like, I'm, I'm not calling you back. It's like, I'm calling you because... I really need this, right? right? And so if your answer is no, or maybe, or let me check on that, I need to move on. Like, right. not because, not, and I might not be mad at you about it. It's just, I can't waste any more time because I, this is something I really need. And, and it's not like, oh, I'm just going to wait here because Kelsey says she'll check on that for me and she'll get back to me next week. It's like next week, yeah. if I need something and I say, hey, can you help me with this? And you don't just say, Yes. yes. Hold on. <laughs> like, yes, let me, let me put, let me put my coffee cup down and let me help you with that. Then it's like, I look at it as I'm not going to get that help. And it's not because that person's a dick. It's just because, Hey, they have a life, they're doing stuff. But at the same time, I need, I need someone to work with me on this right now. Right. Right. And if it can't be you this time, that's okay. But I still need to move on. And I think a lot of people waste a lot of time and a lot of effort on people that say maybe, or, um, you know, or people that say no, people say no. And they're like, oh, I know, but Kelsey would be so good at helping me with this. If I could just get her to say yes, it's like, well, she said no. So just move on. There's someone that will help you. And with the resources we have now and, and, um, you know, social media and different, I mean, you can see someone on a podcast and, and contact them through their Instagram thing nowadays. It's, it's what I did to you. <laughs> it, 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 it's yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And I mean, look, if I would have told you, no, I don't want to come on the show. You wouldn't have sent me 10 other messages. You just would have moved on and Hey, I need someone else for the show. And, and we're trying to get these stories out here. Who else has a story, right? That, right? That's what you would have done. And I mean, if you would have sent me 10 more messages, I would have been like, okay, the answer is still no. And, and you would drive yourself crazy. So but people do that in all aspects of life. And, and I think it really holds them back, you know? Yeah. And I don't think you're wrong. I think there's uh, if people give me a maybe and it's not time sensitive, eh, 
then I'll probably kick through that door. But the, the difference is, is it's when it comes to life and death, when it comes to these situations that you guys focus on, when it comes to quite literally helping human beings in the time of war, it has to be yes, or you have to move on. That just has to be the end of the story. And that's, that's totally acceptable. I want to get into, so you moved for the Afghan pullout. And then, I mean, I don't know, did you see Ukraine, Russia coming? Did anybody see it ready to pop? Or was this a shock to you as well? Um, I mean, there was enough kind of lead up stuff. I mean, I wasn't, mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about Ukraine. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah. uh, you know, it, it wasn't a thing. I mean, we, at that point, we had decided we were going to do Overwatch, but we were really focused on the natural disaster type stuff. Um, and, and just trying to start the thing, right? We had just right. come through stuff with my daughter and all this. And it's like, okay, new new year let's try and figure this out and it wasn't like we were looking geopolitically like across the, the the global spectrum and things that we could maybe get involved in and oh let's earmark ukraine because something with russia is kicking up it wasn't that at all um it literally was when the war started like the day before or the day of um my friend yuri at the academy he was uh he was obviously upset, right? He had been concerned for a few weeks leading up and just checking in with him and being like, hey, how's it going? And what's your family's plan? And, and all this, and they didn't have a plan, right? Um, and it was kind of like nudging him, like, yeah, maybe you should talk about this a little more if something happens. But then when it finally did kick off, he was upset. And, and I said, okay, let's just go to the range and shoot a little bit and get your mind off of this whole thing for the afternoon. And when we were leaving, he goes, I think I'm going to go back. I haven't seen, I haven't been back in 11 years. He had just become an American citizen and stuff. So he wouldn't have any problems if he went back, you know, he has an American yeah. passport and all this. And he said, I think I'm just going to go back and see them and make sure everything's okay. And he has no experience, no military experience. Um, you know, he's just been in America the past 11 years trying to get his life going and he's he's he was at the point where he's doing well now and all this kind of stuff and just was like okay I'm gonna go so I said man you can't go by yourself let me try and get something together and we'll go with you and maybe we'll stop somewhere along the way and get some medical supplies and we can do a medical drop there was no like big plan it was like the the mission was get him home and bring him back to the states right uh and I said, I don't care how long you want to stay for, a week, two weeks, whatever it is, we'll be there with you. We'll make sure you're okay, uh, make sure nothing happens to you. And, and if and if your family does need help at that point, we can get we can help get them out and we can do some of that stuff. So grabbed another recon guy. Um, and I just called him and said, Hey, do you want to go? And he just said, Yeah, sure, let's do it. And we left probably like 18 hours later or so. Um, it was basically uh saturday evening and then we left like super early like a few hours later it was it was it was very crazy we just packed up our gear and just went you know it was uh it was the end of february obviously when the war started we were there like day four of the war so um and again we had to make this plan we had to okay where are we flying into when we when we land how are we going to get there and right. we need contacts in this country and we need to try and get connected with some people here and what do we do about the border and and we just threw this <laughs> this plan together and uh and just executed you know it was uh, so that was the start of us being there and it just was wild i mean we carried 
we we stopped in a in obviously a neighboring country. He couldn't fly into mm-hmm. Ukraine at that time, and um, drove to the border and stopped along the way at every pharmacy we could and just raided that pharmacy. We were walking into these little roadside pharmacies and just basically saying like, how much gauze do you have? And they're like, oh, we have some gauze over here. We're like, okay, do you have any in the back? Give us everything you have. And there was this one time we were checking out and we filled up maybe three, four boxes of just stuff, gauze, anything that we thought you could use in a combat medical type situation. And one of the women said through the Google translator, like, do you guys have enough money to pay for all this? <laughs> we were just going to steal it or something, you know? Oh, wow. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, people were kind of looking at us like, what are you guys doing? And, and, uh, and so that's what we did. And we, we got to the border. We spent the night at the border in a car out in the cold. Uh, it was snowing and freezing. And, uh, and we walked across the border the next morning. Okay, can you please explain to me how you found a wife that would tolerate this uh, up and go and quick and move type behavior? Because I'm sorry, most people I know that want to start these foundations that want to do these types of things or be involved in that quick 24 hour notice type lifestyle. That's a difficult thing, my friend. Yeah, people, I mean, look, it's not normal and you can't expect (laughs) normal reactions and It's one of those things like, I I could find a million reasons not to do this. I I could have found a million reasons not to go to Ukraine with Yuri and help him. And maybe he would have been okay. Maybe not, right? Maybe he just would have went there, visited his family and came back. I I don't know, but I could have found a, a ton of reasons. I mean, I took, I work a regular nine to five job. I mean, we were at the point right now, we can't do Overwatch full time. We just don't have the funding for that. And and it's like, I took PTO, I've, I've been to Ukraine, we've been on five trips this year to Ukraine, and two trips to the hurricane, um, Hurricane Ian that happened in, in Florida this year. And I mean, I had to take PTO to go to all those trips, and we're trying to schedule stuff around weekends to get extra days. And I mean, it's, there's a million reasons you could say, oh, my wife, my husband, my kids, my dog, my whatever, not to do something. And it's just, look, this is going to get done. It needs to get done. It's kind of a little bit of a greater good and everything else is kind of collateral damage that I can, I can deal with, right? It's still a problem. It's not comfortable. It's not, it's not ideal, but it's to me, that's part of the part of the, of the gig, right? It it comes along with it. It's, it's, it's not so much like, Oh, everybody's so understanding of, of guys just picking up and leaving within a few hours and, and going to you know a country that's at war and and doing some of this stuff and everyone at home is okay with that like that's not the case it's never the case it's never the case in the military it's never the case um even for law enforcement and stuff but it's like look this is my you know front sight tip focus and everything else has to get dealt with to an acceptable kind of way of of getting it done so that we can accomplish the mission so yeah everybody always says that but it's not it's not like that at all there's always uh conflict with that there's always you know in conflict with me with that I mean I have young children and I have to leave them to go do this stuff I mean I was staring down the barrel of uh AK-47 10 feet away from me in Ukraine at one point you're like okay this is not fun I could be at home playing with my daughter right now you know it's mm-hmm. but it's just you have to you just kind of have to weigh that up there's no way around it it's just a 
it's a tricky thing, but it's not like there's planning sessions to deal with that stuff. You just grab your bag and go, you know? Yeah. And I only bring it up because I do know that your daughter has been going to, obviously I didn't want to get into anything you didn't want to talk about. You brought it up. So I'll back off at any point, but your daughter has gone through something pretty, pretty difficult at a really tiny little age. And she yeah. seems to be handling it from the outside, you know, from what you're posting on social, like an absolute warrior that she is. But I mean, that comes from showing that you can get through hard things. And that is you teaching her in a very different way, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain to her that like, look, if I have to go away or, or if I'm in Ukraine, it's to help people. Right. right. And, and what we do is we, we try to help people and, and I get it. Like, I mean, the good thing is we're, when we're gone and, and we like, you know, deploy over there with our teams and stuff, we're not gone for huge, long extended periods of time. It's not like a seven or nine month combat deployment. It's, you know, it's a week, 10 days, two weeks, a month kind of thing for, for some of the guys, depending on what we're doing. Um, and the way we do it right now, Overwatch, it's like, hey, here's our mission. I, I, I need you, for instance, for anywhere from three to four days, or you can go 10 days, or you can go 17 days, pick one, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that guy, that, that veteran who's going with us, um, understands the expectation and they can plan around that i'm not i'm not grabbing these guys and saying hey for the next seven months you right. need to figure this out and come with us or for the next three months you need to figure this out and and these are all soft guys that are used to being gone for that long so to say like our next mission we have a, a little bit of a psd mission that's going to take three four days then we have a couple other things that we're doing with our training and with some of the other stuff that's going to be around that time frame that I just use an example, 10 days to, to, to 17 to 20 days. And guys will kind of come and leave in waves. We're going to do, we're going to bring another family over. We're, we bring a lot of, or we're starting to bring a lot of families over from Ukraine. So we'll be extracting a, a family, a woman and some young children over. And, and so like we need guys kind of coming and going and, and, you know, coming early, staying late, leaving early, that kind of stuff. So it, I'm, I'm aware of that as I'm running the team and, and kind of running the guys and, 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 and I don't want them having this, is this, them getting back involved in something like this is there to help them. It's not to right. cause problems, right. Not to cause problems for them or for their family. So I'm very mindful of that and very open to look, just cause you can't come for two weeks you know, you're a former SEAL, you're a former Green Beret, just because you can't come for two weeks. Can you come for four days? Because I have something you can do for four days, you know, and, and oh, really, I can do that. Let's go, you know, and then, and then that guy gets involved, he gets active, he, he gets some stuff done, he sees the value, it helps him scratches his itch. And then who knows, maybe next time he comes for a week or, or for two weeks or something. But it's, it's, that's something we're very mindful about, because in the military, you know, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. It's, you here now let's go right <laughs> yeah jump how high yeah and, and I had that problem contracting like it was pretty good but I would I could be gone for a week or I could be gone for for two weeks I could be gone for 10 days and it's kind of stressful what we were doing it's like you just don't know so how can you plan you know like you can't plan anything you can I go to that soccer game I don't know right Right. And then when I come back, I could be back for three weeks or I could be back for three days. It's just, so I didn't want to put that on the guys with something like this. I don't, 
I mean, this shouldn't be stressful for the guys coming. We're doing good things for good people. And it needs to be, it needs to be a, a very positive experience, especially for the guys that are there, you know? And I love that so much. The reason I wanted to talk about that and because I wanted you to do exactly what you did. I wanted you to highlight that because you get a lot of people, because if, if you don't know, you only work, you know, your foundation only takes soft guys. You don't take any conventional um, so for the right now for the task force guys, like for instance, for Ukraine, we're only taking soft guys. Um, we are expanding, we are doing some other stuff where, um, you know, we have roles for for veterans, like conventional veterans and for non veterans, right for just straight volunteers. So we're expanding that out. I mean, look, if anybody wants to help us we would appreciate that and we're we're happy for that and we want you to get involved because we know we're doing good stuff and we know that you'll get a lot out of helping people with us and, and with what we're doing but i can't take a non-veteran to ukraine no 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 you can't i can't do that right and and i can't take a motor tea guy former motor tea guy to ukraine just because of like what we do there and how we do it like there's just some things that we do and some ways that we do things that I need certain, we need certain types Expertise. of people. Yeah. And they, and they have this experience and they have this skill set and they have this training and that's what we need for that mission. But, you know, we are getting a lot of people that do want to help and, and okay, now we have this massive group. We have intake forms on our website, you know, and it's like, fill those out because if we see that we have a ton of volunteers at this level or this level or with these skills or with with, with uh, this experience, you know, we help people. We'll, we'll find people that you can help. And if you want to be involved, we'll use you. So, um, you know, I, I, it's not like, a, it's not an ego thing that like, hey, we only take soft people. It's not that. And, and some people have contacted me and kind of acted like that. And it's like- It's okay, a safety thing, all, man. Yeah, well, yeah. And it's like, look, I'm there too. This is not the time to teach you about like us being in Ukraine is not the time for us to teach you low vis type operations or, or like, you know, trying to speak to, to hire up foreign military people and, and how that works and, and how you, how you're flipping your network up to the next level. And, and, and some of this other stuff, like, you know, not getting rolled up by the SBU or not being in, you know, how to train their soft, right. We train their soft units if you're uh, if you're you know a conventional comms guy, you don't you can't really offer too much to their soft units, and so it's mm -hmm. like we can't we're not going to take you there. But we have a lot of comms stuff that we need when it comes to natural disasters or, or this that and the next thing. So you know I get it. it. You might not get what you think is the sexy mission, but going to Ukraine in February you know in February is not really sexy. It's pretty cold. <laughs> it's pretty cold, pretty wet, and and you know, there's air raid sirens going off all the time. It's like, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's not an ego thing with us. It's just for the, for that job and, and what we found ourselves doing and, and how we've developed it. We do need soft guys, uh, in Ukraine. And, and that's why, and we are looking, it was so great because my plan initially was like, well, let's only do this kind of stuff. Right. But then when I saw the outpouring of people that wanted to help, especially after Sean Ryan's show, it's like, we have a lot of really other good, talented people with skills that can help in other places. So let's find work for them, right? Like for me, it's all about finding work, right? It's finding more work, finding more things that we can do with the foundation. And, and um, 
you know, there's plenty of natural disasters in the U.S. It's a massive country. There's there's plenty of issues in the U.S., whether it's California with communication type stuff and power issues. And I mean, you name it. Right. So we're building this thing out. We're very new. I mean, we were in Ukraine in February and I think early March, my partner was sending me over, you know, sign now documents like we weren't even the Overwatch Foundation and we were in Ukraine and I'm signing documents during the beginning of the war to start Overwatch Foundation. So we're very young, but we're trying to expand the mission and, and, and grow it out to where we have all kinds of volunteers that can help at all kinds of levels, doing all kinds of missions. You know, I think that's why I was really intrigued when I started to find out who you were. When Dean texted me and said, hey, I think you need to talk to this guy. Here's the difference between you and a lot of other foundations. And this is why you guys stand out to me. There literally is a million 5013Cs in America and in Canada, all over the place of people trying to help individuals. But people, most of the time, they do what any you know normal person would do, which is they plan out the foundation, they get people for the board, they make sure they have enough money to fund. And about you know six months to a year after all of this happens, then they start to roll out what they think will help. And that is in my opinion, a horrendous way to do things. I just spoke with Austin Alexander about this, and this was the number one failure of individuals. Your brain will always tell you to prep, prepare, prep, prepare, prep, prepare, but you need to just start, whether that's just getting up and saying, I'm going to go do this now, whether it's a physical challenge, a mental health, or starting a foundation, or helping individuals during a hurricane. You need to get up and you need to start. You can plan, like you said, you had 18 hours in the truck to figure this out. Utilize those 18 hours. But if you yeah. sit there and you're like, well, you know, I think we want to help Ukraine. You want to do, you basically did the opposite of what everyone else did is try to get funding from every other country bring it in, have it line the pockets of individuals and then have nobody actually to do the help. You said, no, we're going, we're just going, we'll figure it out, we'll get there, we'll sort it out and then we'll plan out the back end, and then we'll just build something super successful because we're a proven concept right off the bat. And I think yeah, that's we, what makes you stand out, man. We did it. We did a GoFundMe for, for, the, for the first hurricane, Hurricane Ida, we did a GoFundMe. And I mean, you know, I'm not a social media guy at all, but we're trying <laughs> to take pictures and video and, and show people <laughs> doing and being like hey support us and i think we raised like four grand or something right yeah and did, did the hurricane we fed over a thousand people watered over a thousand people we're cutting people out of their houses we on four grand and you know and then that's amazing ukraine was, man ukraine was the same thing like we have this built-in network at my academy again there's like 300 members so we we have some quick access to people and then they spread out the word and stuff. And, and that was good. But the same thing, it's like, hey, we're going because of Yuri. And you guys know Yuri. So just, we had no money. I mean, I, I, told, I told everybody, like, look, if, if nobody wants to support us and we don't bring in a dollar, I'll put this all on my credit card and I'll figure it out, right? I'm just asking for your time and for your effort, right? Like, give me, I'm not asking you to raise money. I'm not asking for you to, to take on any financial responsibility. If, if this goes south, just give me your max effort and, and, and your time. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just so weird that like, I, I learned that lesson a long time ago and I can't remember who said this quote um, or this concept, but everyone always nowadays, you see all over social media and all this, everyone talks about motivation and how do you mm. get motivation like 
I want to go to the gym or I want to start a business or I want to do this, that, or the next thing, but I, I'm just looking for the motivation to do it. And, and what I learned was your motivation comes from doing it. It doesn't come before doing it. And so many people sit around and they just think like, oh, I just, I'm just waiting for the right motivation to make the right plan to, and like the very last thing they do is the doing. And it's like, you're never going to get there because something's going to happen. You've, you have 10 things you want to accomplish before you even start doing it. You mm -hmm. might get to thing three and, and now you have an obstacle and then that obstacle beats you and, and you never got to do that thing. And then, you know, you, okay, well maybe I'll wait six months and try that again. It's like, you're crazy. Like that's absolutely crazy. Start doing it and you'll find the motivation. It's, it's the most truest statement. It, it, it blows my mind. When I started my company, I started on the kitchen table with pliers, a drill and a bunch of casings. You just have to start. It doesn't, it doesn't have to have this magical plan with a million dollars of backend funding. It will, if it means something to people, they will understand it. They will attach themselves to it. And the purpose will come with all of that. You need to be willing to just get up and start. And I understand, don't get me wrong for the listeners. I understand starting a foundation and hopping on a plane to Ukraine might not be the best thing for you, but that's because you are not trained to do so. So I do not, <laughs> if you hear this and it was a good idea, I do not suggest you hop on a plane and try to get to Ukraine on your own. It's going to get yourself killed. You saw so many people do that who are like, I'm going to go and I'm going to go serve with all, you're like, oh, this is a recipe for disaster. But if you have the training, you have the people and you want to go do these things, you want to go help, you want to show up and you, you've been sitting in your life and looking for the sign, here's your sign. Go and contact them. If you cannot do it in terms of special operations because you were conventional force or you were artillery like me, and that just doesn't work in humanitarians, but you can do it. You just have to ask and reach out and people will utilize you. That's why I like what you're doing. I heard you originally talk, you know, about it being, yeah, we only take soft guys. And I remember smiling at that when you said it, because I knew what you meant, but I also right. knew what was coming for you as soon as you said that. Yeah. And it, it is very funny. It's, you know, and, and look, it is, it's a, I kind of have, <laughs> have a funny sense of humor kind of thing, but it's like, wait a minute, you took the time you watched me run my mouth on Sean Ryan, let's say for three, four, five. If you watch both of them, it's something like seven hours or something, right? You're like, right. so you, you took the time to listen to me talk about this stuff. Like, first of all, thanks for doing that. I don't know how you got through that, but um, <laughs> you did that. Then you jumped on your Instagram and you sent me a message and you asked me about, can you do it? And you, you're not what we're looking for, for that job description. And then you say, well, hey, you should just take me anyway because I want to go. And it's like, really? Like, that's a thing? <laughs> You're like, I'm a funny guy and I like funny and, jokes. And, but come what on. am I supposed to do with that? You know, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, and I get it. Look, it's, it, it can come across as that way. But I mean, look, that's why we put the, the, the we have, if you, you go on our website, there's the task force intake form. And it says on there, look, this is specifically what we're looking for, for this. Here's what you need to send us right away. You need to send us this, this stuff because we need to vet everybody that, that right. works with us and, and all this, especially if you're going overseas. Um, and then there's the other one that that's for volunteers. And so 
okay, fill that one out. It comes to the same place, right? It comes to the same place. And the reason we're asking for that is because we need it and we're going to need it. And, and that's why we're asking, <laughs> you know? So it's like- it's nothing, you know, nothing complicated. No and, I, and, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this right now, there's a guy that we have, and I'm not going to mention his name. And I took him to, so, so the last hurricane that we went to, Hurricane Ida, on the on we made two trips down there on the second trip we had kind of a bunch of our regular stud guys but on the first trip a bunch of our regular uh stud guys were in ukraine still so we had we had a mission going on in ukraine and then the hurricane came and, and i talked about that on the second sean ryan appearance how like i made a mistake there i should not have planned that ukraine mission during the hurricane season because kind of those first level guys were the guys that were in Ukraine. And then I needed them or selfishly wanted them for the hurricane. It's just spread they, too thin. Yeah. And so I needed kind of to, to, to grab some guys that maybe I normally would not have taken on, on a trip like that to the hurricane. And there was one of those guys who stood out, you know, he, he, he definitely did far and above way better than I expected of him. Right. I didn't. And I told those guys, I don't expect anything of you. Right. I, I, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you can plug these couple of holes. Here's what I need you to do. But don't stress. Don't worry. I'm not expecting you to be this guy or that guy or this guy that's not here. Right. And this guy went over and above. He performed over and above. And we're going to use him for a specific role with some of the other teams that have that are full of soft guys because he's he proved himself there and he's tested. And yeah. And he's, he's enrolled himself in a bunch of different trainings and a bunch of different things. I'm not going to mention on, yeah, yeah. on the podcast, but he's doing some stuff now to get himself some, some higher level training in some very specific areas because he took a chance, right? Like me, look at, look at my life. My life has always just been about opportunity. Like I came to America. I'm from a shithole in Scotland it's, there's amazing people there. It's beautiful, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there for, for, for anybody. It's a very difficult place um, to, to, to live and, and to, to stay and to have a whole life, right? It's, it's very difficult. Um, and I have the opportunity to, to live in America and, and do what I've done with, whether it's school or, or military or, or now what we're doing here and, and just enjoy like, the freedoms and, and everything that America is. And it's, it's literally all just opportunity. So to me, it's like, if opportunity is there, I don't care what you have going on. I don't care what your fear is. I don't care um, what you're worried about snatch, like bite claw punch, you know, to get to that opportunity because you have to, like, that's, that will change your life. And it's not only that, like that changes, that changes generations. I mean, my three children would not have been born if I was still in Scotland, right? I mean, it's, right. and now them, their children, their children's children are going to have this opportunity to, to, to live in a place like America. It's, you, you just don't understand what opportunity can do and people freeze and get paralyzed with the fear of opportunity and they don't understand like the opportunity of opportunity. And, and, you know, with, with this guy, he snatched at that and, mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I've never asked him. I don't know if he had a plan of like, hey, I'm going to try and prove myself here. I don't know. I don't care, right? Because he did it. 
and now we can use him at a level that I never expected to be able to use him. And it's, and it's fantastic. It's, it's a, number one, it's a cool story. He's going to, he's done cool stuff. He's going to do more cool stuff um, for us and for other people. And it's, you know, that, that's the kind of thing I'm looking for is, you know, I, but it starts with, you, you can't, you can't uh, send me a DM and be like, Hey, I'm going to be like that one guy. Just give me a chance. Like, it's not like that. He didn't ask for a chance. I went to him, right? He didn't ask for it. He didn't bug me. He didn't, you know, pull on on the side of my my trousers or anything like that and ask for it. I I gave it to him and he took it and he ran with it. And 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 that will happen again. I'm sure that will happen again. You know, with, with somebody else. And and um and, and that's kind of that kind of thing is cool to me. It's it's another. There's so many cool little stories that have come out of what we're doing. Um and and that's definitely one of them people snatching opportunity and running with it. Speaking of opportunity and immigration, my God, have you ever taken that and run with it? Because I mean, the only time I've ever really heard of people looking at opportunity the way that you did when you were in Scotland is all the way back to the World War II. When I think of people getting on a boat with no money, not speaking the language and coming over to a country just so that they could be free and the idea of opportunity, not even necessarily anything there to greet them, but just the, the sheer idea that I can have a better life in a better place in a safer place. If I just, if I just jump really, it's yeah. that leap of faith. And uh, it's something that my grandfather did when the Soviets came into Hungary. It's something that you did when you left Scotland. It's so rare when people seize that though, because people's fear very often is the first thing that will stop them. Like you spoke about at the beginning of this discomfort, when discomfort shows up, you need to lean into it. You need to dive into it and explore what that means. And that is the same with opportunity and chance and all of these things. I think the one really great thing about social media, and there's very few of them that are great, you know, there's, there's a whole gamut. I could go down that road with, you know, childhood depression and suicide. We could go for hours on that. But the one great thing about social media is it has allowed for people to reach out to others that otherwise prior to social media, no one else would even have a, a clue on how to even get in touch with that person. I mean, for God's sakes, how many people were saved from the Afghan poll because of social media yeah. and contact, like it blows my mind. And then when you have podcasters out there that are willing to have difficult conversations, like, for example, like everyone would know, like Rogan, like Sean, like Black Rifle, like Lone Element, like literally anyone, Andy, people who are willing to have super, super hard conversations, they're only willing to have those conversations because an opportunity has come to them. A person has come to them and they've thought, maybe I can help in a different way. And I think that's what's great about you is you seized every opportunity and you are a yes man if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew about America through movies as, as, a, as a young boy kind of thing. And, and you know, as I got older, what, what was so great about me was my, my mother would send my brother and I back to Scotland every summer and every time during the holiday break. So we were in Scotland all the time for months at a time. Whenever we weren't in school here, basically, she was looking to send us back. We have a a massive extended family back home and everyone kind of lives in the same village. And as I got older, I just kind of thought to myself, 
and I realized the opportunity of America, learned about America. And I've, I've always been a big history buff. So learning mm. about the history, or it's funny to say history of America because it's only a couple hundred years old. Yeah, right? <laughs> history, yeah, we used to play, where I lived in Scotland, we used to play in a graveyard, hide and seek. And some of those tombstones have markings from the 1300s on them. Um, and where we in would, Scotland? Uh, in Fife, so like East Coast, just north, 20 minutes or so north of, of Edinburgh, uh, okay. across the water. Um, so my whole thing was, if I just go to America, first of all, anyone in my village would trade trade places with me in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. They wouldn't even pack a bag. They would just go, right? <laughs> um, and if I went back there all the time and just had an average American life, let's say, and there's nothing wrong with that, but again, who wants to be average? Um, and, and people said, what are you doing? Oh, what, what's going on over in America? What are you doing with yourself? And I just kind of was like, ah, nothing, you know, like, eh. I mean, to me, I think I'd be letting everybody down. I think I'd be, you know, now I hope when I go home and, and I, and, you know, and people say like, Hey, those two boys are doing something with themselves. They've done this. They look, they're doing well. They, 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 they recognize that. And you know, and to me, that, that's what it's all about. Because I know there's people, not just in Scotland, there's people in all kinds of countries that would would trade places with any of us in, in North America in a heartbeat. And so how can you just get up every day and settle being average when you know there's people out there that, I mean, they're lucky people can't come here and take their spot because people would. You oh. know what I mean? And not only would they do it, they would do it with force. I was telling oh, you at the yeah. beginning of the show that a friend of mine, Festus, is an NBA champion. He is one of the most humble human beings I've ever met. This guy comes from Nigeria, right? Whole family in Nigeria. Guy never played basketball a day in his life, but graduated school there early enough. And his family pooled everything together to send him to America at the age of 14 with an uncle. The guy didn't pick up a basketball till he was like 16 years old. Didn't right. know how. Like you can create opportunity if you are willing to put the work in and the effort in. But it it's it's a sad thing when people are given opportunity or because they grew up in America and Canada. I've seen this in the past couple of years. It's a trend, right? And I'm sure you're seeing it as well. My listeners, I know for a fact are all of you are men in America. So the thing that I'm seeing is you've got these Afghanis that have come over I know handfuls of them. One's getting a doctorate right now. One's going back to high school right now. One's working, looking after kids and now doing um, a guest lecture spot at Ottawa University. They are taking every waking moment in this land of the free in North America to go, I'm not wasting this. I'm not wasting a single second or a moment or a night or a day. I'm going to get off my ass and I'm going to get it done because most of the time they are the example for that family. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, again, just you think of stories like that. And then it's like, well, how can you tell me you don't, you, you can't work out or that you can't do this, or you can't start your, oh, I'd really like to start this business. But, uh, you know, it's like, what do you mean you can't do that? Like, you want to hear a story? You want to hear a story about an NBA player? You want to hear a story? Yeah, about yeah. An you know, it's yeah. even guys like take a guy like Dean, you want to hear about a guy that can ride a bike? Like, what do you mean you can't, you can't do this thing, you know, like start with yeah. that small thing and get it to the point where you're going from Alaska to Argentina on a bike or whatever. Right. I mean, but, 
but start start somewhere, right? Start somewhere and don't don't say if you're in America or even you know Canada. And I have some we we chatted a little bit about Canada before too, but uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean if you live in America and you say can't, I'm I can't really I I can't give you a lot of time. You know, you, you can't do that and you want to talk about how you can't do it. I can't listen. That's what I can't, right? Like, I can't listen to that because you definitely can. And again, you know, I, when we went to Ukraine, when it comes to planning, it's like go and gain some expertise because of experience, because of, because of training. And like you mentioned, I sat on a plane next to a, a another Marine and we planned what we were doing. Okay, we're going to land. We have to be careful in the airport. We have to connect with this guy here to get going to where we're going. We'll stop. We'll find this. And we don't know. I'd never been to the, the country we landed and I had never been there before. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to make some contacts with some people that knew that country, knew that area to get a little bit of layout out in the land. But we sat on that plane overnight flight and watched movies and planned what we did. And, you know, we didn't I mean Yuri had his family in Ukraine but we built this huge extensive network now just out of flipping one person to the next person the same way we would in Iraq the same way you know guys did in, in Afghanistan it's like you're just flipping that source that person that can help you into someone else into a bigger fish into a bigger fish to the point where you're sitting down with some people that can really get stuff done and can really put you in places where you can now affect change and you know, I could I could have sat there with Yuri or or called Zach and 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 said Zach, maybe we could do something. He he could have easily said, we don't know anybody there. Let's just take Yuri and come home. You know, like what do we do? We don't know anybody Ukrainians. We don't know any Ukrainians, right? It's like, how are we gonna how are we gonna do that? But we got there. We looked around and said, okay, let's figure this let's figure this out. Let's make this happen because if we if we figure this out, we can help people. That's you know. It. And that's it. It's that simple. I used to, uh, about five, six years ago now, started my company in 16, right? My father-in-law used to say to me all the time, why are you on the, why are you traveling? Why do you need to go do this? Why do you need to go talk to so-and-so? Why can't you just talk to him on zoom? Why can't you do this? And I said, this is not what I do. He goes, yeah, it's not helping the business though. It's not, it's not helping you. I said, this will mark my words in the right amount of years. This will matter. I ran into an individual who was the head of something for black rifle five years ago. Okay. Five years ago, I got into the podcast game because an individual, Tim K from the veteran. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. The veterans project where he interviews different vets. I flew down to Texas, didn't know this guy. And I, he said, I want to do an interview with you. I said, okay, cool. I nothing to do with podcasts. Right. And I'm on my flight home and I have this weird thing that happens to me where if I'm in an airport or I'm on a plane, I always get sat beside the person. And here's the difference. I don't put, I'm not exaggerating. If you think I'm exaggerating, I will put you on the phone with my husband because he thinks it's some type of weird voodoo that happens at this point. He's like, just be in airports. It works. So we're on the plane. I'm sitting there and I see this guy sitting in the front of me on the right-hand side. And I go, he's wearing a black rifle shirt, but not an obvious one, but the way he's carrying himself, the way he's sitting, I just leaned up because I'm not the person. I'll take my headphones out. And I'll look around at what's going on to make sure what I can see, right? And I go, hey, did you serve? And he whipped his head back around at me and goes, why? I'm like, because it's obvious. 
He's, what do you mean? It's obvious. It's the way you carry yourself. You're either a soft guy or you're in contract and you're in something long and short. We get, have a conversation. He gives me his card, you know? And I said, do you know of what I do? And he goes, no, I don't know who you are. And I said, you'll know who I am in five years. You give me some time. You'll know who I am. Cut to last summer. I'm down with black rifle at the range. I'm there for a week. I'm doing the show. I'm doing all these things. And I go, I've been trying to get to you guys. And it's taken me this long. Like, how'd you get to us? Just climb that ladder. Just make those yeah. connections, Sh handshake, answer the phone, send the DM, send the email. You never, ever know who's listening. You never know who's talking. You never know who's on the back end of that computer who just saw that. You put right. every second effort into showing up, being there, be who you say you are, and it will work out for you. But yeah, it takes involved. a lot of work. It, just be involved. And I love that you said something at the beginning. I just want to highlight. You said, I didn't want to be around veterans. I didn't want to be in this community. I didn't want any of that. And mm -hmm. I echoed that same sentiment, my friend. So many of us, when we first get out, whether it's resentment to the government or the system itself, whether it's survivor's guilt and loss, whether it's the struggle to be around a uniform again, or just hear the stories, people seclude themselves from that. And I would encourage after learning the hard way, and I think you would too, kind of after learning, don't exclude yourself from this community. Include yourself more. I was lost for years, man. Yeah. Until one army ranger who I found out because of this podcast, who's been our, spo our longest sponsor, Combat Flip Flops, Griff from the, um, the 75th, said to me, and he threw me a lifeline. He goes, have you ever heard of ayahuasca? And he was the one who pulled me back into the community. He was the one who showed me that it's okay to be a part of this world. You don't have to see it as just your past. You can see it as a community towards your future. And ever since then, everything has changed, man. Yeah, and I, and I think what, what's, what I noticed from when I kind of disassociated with everything to do with, with veterans and all this to, to now is that at that time, I felt like, okay, if I'm going to be involved in, again, the quote unquote community, it has to be with the guys I know, the guys I served with. And it's kind of hard because, I mean, if you're off the train and they're still on the train, there's really not time for that. And then, you know, I mean, stuff happens within a unit too, right? Where there's always a bunch of good stuff that happens, a bunch of bad stuff that happens. And it's just, but, but the community is not that bubble. And no. Being able to connect outside with guys, maybe that you didn't even serve with, but served in a similar capacity or, or whatever the case is now see, with social media and so many guys have podcasts where before, whether it's podcasts or they're just doing stuff. Right. And you never really saw that before. And, mm -hmm. and now people are out there and you can connect with all kinds of people through them and maybe even to them. Right. Like, I've connected with a lot of people because of Overwatch, people sending me messages and it's like, okay, if this person's reaching out, you know, to me, what does he, what does he want and what does he need? Does he want to work with Overwatch? Can he work with Overwatch? Does he just need a connection? Like, does he just right. need, uh, you know, if, if he sends me a message and he's like, hey, I hope you're doing all right. Like, I can see that DM and I'm really busy and I can leave it or I can be like, hey, you know, and I can take two minutes to look at his profile and see a picture and be like, hey, what's this? Were you on vacation or whatever? And it's like a couple of sentences, a couple of messages. And maybe I made that guy's day or maybe it connected him to, you know, he was a, a veteran and I, I don't know him. But right now I have a connection to that guy and 
you know, and this, this is actually something that happened. There was a guy that sent me, and this is, I, I just remembered about this, actually. <laughs> a guy, because it's a prime example of this. When this I did is why tangents first, work, my friend. This is why tangents work. I, I did the first Sean Ryan show. And a bunch of people reached out. Thank you know, it was incredible. It was so good. The response was good. And 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 this guy reached out and he said something I can't even remember, but he sent me an email. And it was long and it was about it was one of those emails that you get from someone who maybe has just been in like excited about something and it's like a brain dump, right? So was, and I and I read all of it and I was like, okay, sounds good, but like I just don't have any time for this right now because of everything that was going on. And um Fast forward, I'm on the plane going to, and that was say maybe March, April, something like okay. that. Now it's uh, now it's October and we're going down to Hurricane Ian. And the Recon Sniper Foundation sent me a message and said, um, and they put a thing out on their Instagram and then they sent a message and they were like, hey, anyone going to Florida, we need help with something. So I said, okay what's the deal? I'm literally like in the air right now on a plane. <laughs> um, what's the deal? They said, there's a Marine, he's on deployment. Um, his aunt is stuck in, in the house. I think I talked about this on the Sean Ryan, the second show, his aunt is uh, stuck in a house. She's in her seventies and they haven't heard from her in like a day and a half. And they're worried. I mean, we're looking for someone to go do a wellness check. And we were not planning on going to that area, but I was like, okay, here's the deal. I need, you know, I'm going to help this guy. I don't know who it was. And um, I ended up having to split the team. One team went one way, one part of the team went the other way. I went the other way with one guy to, to go and, and do this wellness check. And we landed at 1030 at night and drove all night to get to that location. And we knocked on that door at like 730 in the morning and did all that. You can watch this, that showing and get kind of what happened there. But here's the deal. The, the guy whose aunt it was, was that guy who sent me that message. No. That it's crazy. And, and at the time, I didn't even know that though at the time. And then when I went back and we were connecting on something else um, and I checked his email address in my Google thing. Yeah. And then it popped up and I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's this guy with this email. And it's just, it's so weird how oh. something like that happens, you know, Dude, and it's, it's yeah, beautiful. You, and, and so what you do is it's kind of like, okay, we're going to keep doing this. Like if, if this is, if these are some of the cool things that come out of this, we're doing mm -hmm. more, it, you know, it's like whenever we get, um, we're training a lot of the Ukrainian, uh, soft units and the regular army and the volunteer army, um, so it's different levels of training. It's very interesting. It's, it's, it's really cool what's going on and what our team's able to do over there with the training, um, tactical training. Um, and we, a lot of what we're doing is, is medical, right? We have our 18 Delta guys going over there and doing combat medicine, and we're giving them really cool gear. Um, we use the Focus Research Group uh, Expedition Trauma Kits that we're giving these guys and you know, giving them amazing gear and amazing training. And they're going, they, when they get rotated out to the front and they're fighting, we're getting incredible results back um, from the training and, and from the medical piece. And, you know, there, there's a one specific story I, I say all the time. I was sitting, you know, at, at, at the kitchen table eating oatmeal on a Monday morning and got a text message like, you know, hey, I was able to save life and limb 
of, of my friend with with the training and you're just like okay let's get let's can, can we leave tomorrow can we go let's back? go <laughs> yeah can we go tomorrow like i need i need a hundred thousand dollars so i can talk to the gbrs guys to get me more focus kits like more right. more material so we can go do this again like if if that's you know you, you just get that you're sitting there in your underwear eating oatmeal and you get that text message you're just like okay the spoon goes down when can we all go back you know and and so we're, that's why we're going to keep doing this because it works and because it's helping people. Like, you know, I told you before, I never wanted to be the face of this thing. I, I, I like talking to people. I don't like, I don't like the idea of a podcast. Cause it's like, I like talking to you, but the people right. that are watching this can't talk to us. And it, to me, that's kind of weird. Do you know? It's oh, like they a, do. Don't, don't worry. I'll, know, I'll yeah. get it on the back. End. No, I, I know. But I mean, like right now, it's just, yeah. it's just a weird thing, isn't it? Like you and I yeah. sit and have a conversation, but other people are involved. In my opinion, they're involved in this conversation right now. You know, they are hundred percent. Yeah. And I feel that same way when I watch a podcast like Joe Rogan or something, you feel like you're there talking to those two people and, or, or you're like, you're in the, you ever like yell back and forth. I have a tendency I'll be doing, I'm not, I'm horrible for this. I will be doing a bunch of editing. I'll just be sitting there. I'll be listening to a podcast in particular. I'm about to interview Dr. Deborah. So, and she's from Canada. She's been on Rogan before she was just on the citizen with Dan Holloway. She talks about, she's a sex neuroscientist, right? talks about gender and all these things. So she's, she's interviewing somebody who's not quite the same. And I'm sitting there going, no, 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 no. And I'm arguing back and forth with these podcasts, yeah. but people don't realize these podcasts are not just you and I, they yeah. never have been. Yeah. And so, and so for, for me though, that whole interaction and how that goes is kind of weird. And it's not just the podcast. Like, you know, I, I had always been kind of the gray man kind of thing. And our background yeah. is like that. And you just kind of, that's the culture and, and, and then obviously with the, the time of me disconnecting, it's like, okay, how can I do this? But, but then you realize, okay, we're a nonprofit. So we talked about this. Someone has to get out there and, and get the message out. And, you know, I said, well, look, it's, it's our message. I believe in the message and, and I'm kind of close to it on all sides. I guess I'm going to have to be the one to, to do that. And, and it's just a weird situation because, because, that, that's not what I wanted to do you know like put my put my boots on the ground and, and let me figure out a problem in Ukraine or or a hurricane or, or something like that you know we're looking at doing some other stuff like that's what that's kind of where I feel my sweet spot is but like I have to not that I have to come here and talk to you but uh, <laughs> but I mean I have to I have to get the message out and, right. and and again it's it's is it working? Is it worth it? And and when I do get these messages and, and you know, anyone watching, feel free to contact me. You know, I, I try to get back to, I, I pretty much do get back to every single person. Um, and it's like, it's working because people have helped us. People have, have sent us so much financial backing to help us go out and get what we need to go to Ukraine and, and so much gear. I mean, we have guys that every month send us boxes of tourniquets and, you know, I, I have messages of people who are like, hey, this is my plate carrier. I was probably going to buy another one at some point. I'm just going to send this to you. It's the only one wow. I have, but I'm going to send it to you. And and you're like, when I get that, like that doesn't go and sit in a, in a warehouse somewhere in Eastern Europe. And, and like, I take that and these hands hand it to a guy that needs it. Right. You know, and and that's something we always said. It's like, I don't care how big we get and, and God willing, we become a, a massive organization that can help you will. over you the will. place. 
you know, and, and that's the goal because I know I can, it's like the way we help people, it's like, it's a teardrop. Like we help the people in Ukraine, but that also helps the veterans that go there and it just, it trickles. Right. And so yep. like, if we get massive like that, we'll still be the ones that, I mean, we, we bought plates, plate carriers and uniforms for the volunteer, for a, a company of volunteer uh, Ukrainian soldiers and they didn't have uniforms. We were training them. They had gym shoes, sweatpants, and leather jackets on training, right? Jesus. And it's like, we need to get these guys uniforms. Like, imagine imagine learning how to go to war and going to war and not having no. a uniform, right? It's irrational. Like having a piece of yellow tape around your arm. Like, that's not a uniform. And so it's like, we need to get these guys uniforms and we need to get them plate carriers and plates. And and we we did that with the help of all kinds of people that, that helped us fund that mission and we went over there and we handed it. And I remember I got pretty emotional because we took it and we took it to the staging area um, in Ukraine. And it's like, I remember number one, having that idea, like we have to get involved. We have to, we have to figure this out. We need to get these guys uniforms all the way down to talking to the guys that helped us fund it all the way down to the deliveries coming in and talking to the companies that we, 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 we got the stuff from. And then, organizing to get it shipped over there and then now it's standing in front of me in ukraine a mile away from the dudes that i'm about to hand it to and you're like this was this is crazy that like an idea can turn into this you know it listen an idea can turn into anything with the right person the right drive and the motivation behind it that's why i'm going to invite you i'm going to i'm going to tell you what somebody told me once I'm going to invite you to stop saying if we, and I'm going to start, get you to start saying when we, because sure. you already fucking are. And I think, you know, that in the back of your mind, but you also have what a million people who do anything in front of a camera have, and you have imposter syndrome. You do. It has to be you, homie. I'll call you out. I'm cool with it. You have to be the guy. You have to be the face. Do you know why you have to be the face? Tell me. Not because, not because there's, you know, there's other people that could do this for you. You could hire sure. somebody to be like, go and talk about this for me. It has to be you. It has to be you because you, you, my friend, are what I wish more people would be like. You're of character, you're sound mind. You do things not because you have to, but because you want to. You have emotional connection to this. This is not just a for fun on the weekend kind of I'll help when I can kind of bullshit. This is this is my life. I'm going to show up. I'm going to train you. I'm going to hopefully keep you alive when you fight these people that should never have come into your country in the first place. You show up, you do the work and you make other people think that, hey, if I can, if I think for a second that, hey, maybe I could help. Maybe because Mark showed up and tried and did it successfully, maybe I can. That's why it has to be you, dude. Yeah, I mean, and you and you said it like I tell people all the time. You know, I've I've gotten some incredible messages from people. You know, I couldn't even tell you how many hundred messages of, you know, encouragement and people who are are whether they're impressed with what we're doing or how we're doing it or they just want to encourage us. And it's incredible. And you know, my my only response is like, hey, I'm just trying. You know, like I'm, I'm just trying and, and I don't want us to do, I don't want to do anything that anyone else can do. I, I don't want to go to a hurricane on day 10 and pass out bottles of water at the, at the local high school gym and, you know, and I, and I sack lunch to somebody like, I don't want to no, like, this doesn't, it's going to sound bad, but like, 
there are other people that can do that. But right. you know, I, I remember our first night when we had trained the guys in Ukraine back in February. I remember I was, uh, you know, about to go to bed. And I said to Zach, I was like, and we both have a ton of combat experience. You know, he's an incredible recon Marine. He's yeah, a ton of, a ton of experience. And I just said, like, could you imagine doing what these guys are doing? Like they don't have boots. They don't have, some of them didn't have weapons. They were using twigs off of trees and, and, and two, two liter water bottles as their mock rifles during training. And I was like, could you imagine like having to do that? And and, it, you know, it was like, no, like I, I, I couldn't get my head around that. I mean, you know, even imagine going to basic training and not having and wearing the clothes that you showed up with. Oh, the Canadians do that for about a week. They make you wear civilian clothes at the at Saint Jean just so that you stand out with everyone else. Like oh, the so they know that you're not. So oh, they know yeah, that you're yeah. For yet. a yeah. full week, you're straight so, trying to march in like whatever you showed up in. Yeah, but I get so what you're Marine, saying, my in man. The, in the Marine Corps for us was you wore the uniform, but you didn't have name tags and you didn't wear boots. You wore like you wore gym shoes, and everyone's oh. like, so you're in camis with nothing on your camis and gym shoes. With, your, with the bottom of your pants rolled up and you just look like an idiot and everybody knows you're an idiot, right? <laughs> but but I, I said to him, I was like, could you imagine this? And it's like, no. And it's like, okay, so we have to train them. You right. know, like, we, this is it. This is what we're doing. And, and that gave us that, that passion of, of doing it. And then when we came back on that second trip, I was like, all right. You know, I, I had been, I've done some foreign, you know, internal defense and, and working with other units before. Obviously, I worked with Iraqi units and stuff. And typically when you do that, the foreign forces is not up to kind of our way of doing things, let's say. And we we came back like six or eight weeks later on the second trip. And, um, and I was like, I want to see these guys. Like, I want to see if they've been training. I want to see if they, because they would get up and train early before we got there and we'd be walking up to the training area and they'd already be training on the first trip and we'd be like, okay, that's cool. But maybe they're just doing it because we're there, right. they're trying to impress us, right? So let's see how they are after eight weeks of us not being here. And when we went back, it was like, when I first saw them, I was like, this is cool. Like it motivated me because it's like, they took what we said, they had been training harder you know, they, they still weren't good. They still weren't, I mean, but I, and I said, like, I would go on a patrol with these guys. Oh, wow. For sure. You know, like I would, like, would it be, is it like having Zach or, 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 or Justin or Rob or some of these, like, you know, going out with a recon team or something? No, but I would go with them for sure. Right. I mean, it's better than having 12 Iraqis with me, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, for, for sure. And, and that's a testament to them. I mean, we just showed them what we know. They're the ones that applied it and took it seriously. And, and, and especially when we weren't there, like if you're doing to me, that's, that's discipline, that's integrity. When you're doing the thing, when no one's watching you, you know, that's right. Um, because I would have, you know, and I already had it in my head. If I go there and they're a bag of ass, I know how I'm going to react to that and I'm going to give it to them. And, and that's how we'll, that's how this is going to go forward. I'm going to be here for 17 days and they're going to feel every, every hour <laughs> of yeah. those 17 days. And, and I didn't have to do that. I was so impressed. And it's like, okay, if this is, you know, on that, on the humanitarian side, it's very easy to, to see the change you're making because, 
you know, somebody needs a bottle of water and you hand them a bottle of water. It's now they can drink water, right? It's it's right. pretty, that's a silly example, but you get my point. Um, but on the, on, the, on the training side, I mean, it's real. These guys are going to war. And, you know, I, before the, the day, three days before Zach and I showed up on that first trip, they were just the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker in that town. They were not military guys. The, the volunteer guys were not military guys. That would, they just they just saw their country needed them and they just walked down and signed their name on a piece of paper. And, and that in itself is, is incredible. I mean, you know, if, if something happened here based on the last, Oh, for God's sakes. I mean, we would have a lot of people just because we've had that culture for the last 20 years, but we would have a lot of people going back. We wouldn't have the the 18, 19, 20 year olds coming in in droves to sign up to do something about it. We we just wouldn't, you know, and, and, and that's what they did in Ukraine. And it was fathers and sons. And it was so it's like, how do I not be motivated to pour everything I have into those guys? And then when you see them pouring it back to you, it's like, okay, let's do this, right? Let's, this is, that's where the, the fun comes into that serious situation. Because it's like, hey, if I'm trying my guts out, and you're trying your guts out, we'll get stuff done here, you know, and, and, and that's what we try and do all the time. And that's what we try and do with all the different people that we work with that help contribute to us it's like look you need to get on our level like you know if if you're down here i can't i can't waste time on that we we're we're not there and and if you can get up to our level or you know if if you're more high speed than us if you can come down to our level and and help us (laughs) a little bit right then then we can work with you um because we we see that we can do stuff and and there's no like there's no slowing it down. There's no, I wake up every day and it's like, you know, if a if million dollars, $5 million, $10 million fell out of the sky, it would make our jobs a lot easier because we can do a lot of these things that we have planned. I mean, our, our car is definitely way in front of the horse at this point. And, and it always has been, and, and we've made it work, but, you know, hopefully at some point the horse catches up and we can fund some of these things we're doing. Cause right now we're, we're, you know, looking through couch cushions and, yeah. and, and I mean, it's been great. Everybody's been so supportive and really helped us do stuff. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's hard. The whole raising money piece is completely different as well. Like I said, put my yeah. boots on the ground. I can do whatever, but you know, it's, it's very strange, this whole back end of the house side. And we have a team that's doing really well and learning and developing and all that, but it's just, it's part of the deal. We have to do that to go and affect the change. So that's what we'll do. It's no problem. We just, we'll figure it out. See, that's why, again, you guys are very different than a lot of these other NGOs and these people that go in and move humans and do these things. Uh, again, I get there has to be regulation. I get that there has to be planning and all of this, but there is nothing, nothing better than somebody who just shows the fuck up. Yeah. It's that simple, homie. It's that, it's that simple. Money will always come to the right people if they need it. And, and if they, if you're showing that you can do what you can do with, with only $4,000, what you're able to do, can you even imagine for 30 seconds, the billions and billions and billions uh-huh. of dollars that America sent, what you could have done, even Canada, we just sent another hundred million dollars over to someone's pockets because it sure as shit isn't going to any NGO. I know that for a fact. Yeah. A, f- a few weeks ago, we just got 4,000 pairs of winter boots over to the Ukrainians. And it's like, really for $90 billion that the U S has sent, you can't, you can't make sure everybody like every swing a pair of boots, a pair of boots. 
right? Like, and I get it, like HIMARS and Javelins and all that stuff, that's all very expensive, but. Yeah, but come on. We're talking about pairs of boots here. You know, if I can buy pairs of boots and plate carriers and this kind of stuff, surely $90 billion can buy some boots and some plate carriers. And that's just from America. That's not even every other NATO country that sent everything. I mean, Canada, we sent, uh, I was just with the Canadian Armed Forces about a month ago doing my last round out in Gagetown. And I said, hey, where's the triple sevens? I don't shoot 105s. I don't, I mean, I did it, you know, they're from World War II. Like, what are we doing here, homie? And they go, all of our triple sevens are in Ukraine. All of our big guns are gone. I said, okay, so just bag it up for three and a half seconds. What happens if something happens to Canada? What are we shooting with? They're like sticks because yeah. that's the reality. We are dumping everything into these countries to help these people who should have never been put in this position. But the difference in what I'm seeing is you've got people in Ukraine. God damn it. There's something about people who have been tested before my friend, something goes on in America. Half of America is going to hide or they're going to run. It's that simple. Those blue yep. hair screaming kids. They don't even know what pro listen. I'm a small tangent here. Turning points the other day went out and did uh, just some interviews. I love it. They go up to colleges, right? And then they ask people. So Pearl Harbor, I think it was the 91st, if I'm not mistaken, it's our 81st uh, anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And they said, Hey, do you know what Pearl Harbor was? The most disgusting reactions I've ever heard out of the next generation. And then you look at Ukrainians and you look at the women that are willing, like the grandmother who's throwing seeds at the Russian yeah. army going, this is leave them in your pocket. So at least flowers will pop up when you die. Like yeah. the ruthlessness of kids packing Molotov cocktails because they understand that this is their land and they are willing to fight for it. I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like it. The resiliency of those people, the least we should be doing is getting them fucking boots to protect yeah. themselves, man. Right. And I mean, look, Ukraine's not perfect. And and I, I know there's a lot of talk out there about the corruption there. Yeah, it's a corrupt, like Super disaster, corrupt. disaster of a country. And, you know, you they're, they've been in bed with Russia for most of their, or a lot of their government's been in bed with Russia for all this time. And you can't really sleep with the snake and then complain when it bites you. Right. And then they're not perfect, but that's not the point. And we're not there. I'm not there for Ukraine. I don't care about Ukraine. It's not my country. It's not my government, but right. I care about, I care about those men and, and those people there that, that are in those situations that, that, that the, the women and children that need to get out and the men that are there trying to fight. And they're like, look, it's kind of like, they, they remind me of Yuri. Like I'm going to go sign up for the army to go fight, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And to me, right. it's like, you can't do that. Like, you can't do that. Like I, I, I've seen combat. I know combat. You, there, it's not, it's not the movies. It's not hero type stuff. Right. right. You have to know what you're doing and you like, you have to be a professional. You have to learn, you have to learn. It's a craft uh, to mm -hmm. you're standing there with a rifle in your hand. It's not all fun and games. It's not like going to the range and, and it's, you know, I mean, I know Instagram and video games and movies make it look like, oh, yeah, it's cool. You can buy the gear and you're just like this guy or that guy. You know, combat's real and it's really real. And it's great. It's so, you know, it's it's so amazing that these people went down there and signed on that paper to go do that. And like I said, the stories of fathers and sons and old men and 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 all of this that are doing it. And, and it's very romantic. But then at the same time, OK, now it's real. So yeah. if we can help them, 
we're going to help them because they need help. Right. And, and I tell people like, especially with those volunteer guys that, um, you know, joined up right away in the first early days of the war, it's like, that's a humanitarian mission in my view. Right. Right. And, yeah. And, and we ran into all that stuff. You know, we've talked a lot today about people who are like, Oh, I don't know if we can do this. I, you know, we had the funny joke with each other of like, okay, so we're training a foreign army. It's just two guys. And, and now obviously it's the whole team, but it's like, initially it's like, we just went to this war and we're two guys training a foreign army. Like, is this legal? Like <laughs> if, when we go home, are there going to be ninjas at the airport, like waiting for us, you know? Like, right. Is this and we did make a joke about it. And people have asked me, like, did you call the state department? Have you checked in with these people? It's like, no, like the state department doesn't check in with me. Right? right. I'm not going to check in with them. And, and, you know, we have had some conversations with, with them about different stuff, but it's not like, again, it's not like in that planning phase, it's, Hey, Zach, we're thinking about taking Yuri home. He wants to go home. Can you make some calls to the state department and I'll call these people and let's make sure we can do this. Right? Like it was not that it was, all right, man, you want to leave at six o'clock or eight o'clock, you know, and, and then you just go and where are you taking? I'm taking this bag with this gear. Okay. Oh, I'll take that too. I forgot about that. Right. And right. that was our conversation. It was not like all this other stuff. It's so you just kind of have to, that's my thing. It's, it's just go, you know, just right. go, just do it. Just if, if you can do right. And 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 you'll know if you can't, if you have to over plan and, and you're worried and you're this, okay, then your answer is you can't do it. So, so either go get the experience, go figure it out or get the balls or whatever it is that's, that's stopping you and then do it. Right. But at the end of the day, you still have to do it. And, and that's, I mean, that's our thing. That's what we're going to keep doing. And, and anybody that wants to come along, I mean, the big thing for me is if, you know, for now, yeah, if you're soft, we can use you right away. If right. you're not, we'll throw you in our, in our, in our hat and we'll, we'll find something for you to do because I know that you're going to get a lot out of it when we have something for you to do. So, you know, it, it's not a cool guy thing at all. It's just let us, let me find that work for you because, you know, you're only reaching out in my opinion, because you want to help and, and you want to help others. And in my opinion, that's going to help you. So let me figure that out for you. Let me get you some work, but be patient on that, you know, and, and do, if you do reach out to me and I can't use you right now, you know, don't be disappointed. I'll, it, that inspires me to find something for, for people to do that. I can't give any kind of work to right now. You know, at the end of the day, you guys are building something that's going to be long lasting. In my opinion, Ukraine will come and go. Hurricanes will come and go. Disasters will happen. It is part of, it's just part of the world. It, you know, I'm shocked how long Russia and Ukraine have been going at it. I would have hoped for a peaceful resolution, for, if only for the innocence that is being lost at a tragic level. But we also have to realize that even after this, there's more things coming. There's other countries doing things. There's other countries making moves. China tried to walk itself into India the other day, for God's sake. So look, there's stuff and there's always going to be work. And this foundation is going to exist for a long time. And so if you are uh, a soft member, please do reach out. We're going to make sure that we put everything in the bio, make it very, very clear where people can go, where they can apply. If you're not soft, apply. If you have time to give, energy to give, money to give, clothing to give, boots to give, equipment. I know a lot of you listening. Yeah, I'm talking to you. A lot of you listening have access to things. 
I'm very aware of it. So I'd like you to show up for this guy. I would like you guys to do what everyone else would want you to do, just like you did for any other service member. Show up, give what you can, help in ways that you can. And if you can't give anything and you can't go, do the bare minimum, share the posts, share the information, because people will say, well, I couldn't buy anything or I couldn't do this or I couldn't do that. Okay, but you know what you can do? You can call some friends who can call some other friends who can share a social media post, who can send an email and you never, ever know who might be seeing that. It's just about trying and putting the effort in. If this guy can show up the way that he showed up for no other reason with a family at home, children who need him, a jujitsu gym to back him, human beings that he is involved in, if he can drop that and he can go and help people that aren't going to be able to pay him back who are not going to be able to return the favor and potentially put his life on the line for others, the way that he is doing, the least you guys can do is don't drink your coffee at Starbucks that day, put that couple dollars in and go donate to this foundation. Because out of everybody I've ever spoken to on this show in almost 150 episodes and foundations and no shade to any of my foundations. I love you all. I have never seen somebody do so much with so little. It's fucking impressive, dude. Yeah, I mean that's the, and that that's the thing, and and you know when I when I got into nonprofits, I read a lot about the Red Cross, right? Obviously, that's yeah. the that's the 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 big daddy of all nonprofits probably ever in the history of the of the world, obviously. And you know when you read that they they like thirteen cents of every dollar actually goes to the mission. At first, that's shocking, right? And it is, but they have huge infrastructure. They have all this kind of stuff, and and I get it. That's expensive and all this and. 13 cents of every dollar that they bring in turns out to end up being a lot of money, believe me. Right. But like for us, I said, I don't ever want it to be, I don't care how big we get. Like, let's say, let's say God willing, I am the next Red Cross, let's say, and we, and Overwatch Foundation is, it won't be 13 cents on the dollar. I'll make sure of that for sure. I don't care how our infrastructure is. I'll figure out that problem. And, you know, I will say right now, every single dollar that comes in goes back out every single dollar and and that we like that's not that's not good because we, <laughs> it's a bad business all, man because right now we have to make sure we have no overhead because we throw everything back out i mean i had a hundred thousand dollars come in from a medical charity and we bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of um medical gear with that money we i didn't keep thirty thousand dollars of that to buy plane tickets i put the plane tickets for our guys to go and come back on my personal credit card. And it's like, you know, I think in plane tickets, I had like 20 grand on my personal credit card. I could have justified, obviously, because I'm running a foundation, I could have said, okay, 80,000 goes to the medical supplies and we have 20,000 for the plane tickets. But it's like, how many more focus kits can I get with that 20 grand? And how many right. guys do I know that I know that I've met that need those focus kits? So you know what? We'll figure that problem out, right? Like I'll, I'll figure out the, the plane tickets. If I put them on a credit card, I can pay them off with them, whatever. And it's, you know, so that's the kind of stuff we're doing right now. Number one, because we have to, but like I said, if someone drops a million dollars in my lap tomorrow, I'll make sure most of that goes right back out the door to our missions, because that's me being a good steward of, of, of what people are giving us. So we can go like, we're doing it for the mission. We're not doing this for money. Like we don't get paid for this. That right. it's the money funds the mission and that's what we need to stick to so it's one of those things where if you want to give to a non-profit and people have a lot of bad taste about non-profit because they do 
put a lot of the money to other things other than the mission. And sometimes it's not wrong. It's just that people don't like that, right? It's kind of a weird thing. Like I gave you a dollar and 50 cents of it went to something else, not the feeding this person or clothing that person. It's like, yeah, but sometimes you have to, but that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. We do, we do the opposite to our detriment. So, I mean, and, and like I said, we're the guys, like our teams are the guys that hand these people that hand them the gear, that hand them the medical equipment, that train them, that bring fam- bring the families out, that, you know, help get their kids into school when they're back here in America. And, you know, like, there's no getting paid for that. That's time talking to the school district and, okay, well, they don't speak English, so they, we need this and we need, you know, it's just, we're, we're going we're gonna to help people. So you might as well jump on the train and help us help people. Yeah, don't make me show up at your door because you know I will. <laughs> Like, it's just that simple. Like if I get a hold of you and I find out you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. <laughs> and I know you will. So that's why I'm here to promote you. That's why I'm here to support you. That's why Brass and Unity has got you. And anybody else that's in our circle, welcome to the fam, because we don't want to see you struggling. And also we don't want to see you racking up personal credit card debt, man. You know, you need to be protecting your family and doing, doing the right things too. Right. Yeah, Don't worry about me. We're, we're, <laughs> we're figuring all that. We're figuring all that out. But like, again, yeah, that's not going to be the reason why we can't jump on a plane and go do this no. stuff. Right. It's like, we'll figure that out later. That's we'll figure it out. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Don't worry. I, I'm okay. <laughs> okay but good. We, might, we just might need to figure that out tomorrow instead of today, but it will get figured out. And it's just, it's just that that's not going to stop us. Like, oh, right. we'll send an eight guys there back and different plane tickets here, there to, to get home and to get there. And we can't afford that. Well, that's not the reason we can't go. Like, we're going to go and we're going to deal with that later. So, um, but obviously, I don't want those kind of problems. <laughs> I mean, great points. They're great for points, but that's about it, dude. That's about it. Um, I like I said. But no, thank you. Thank you for everything. It's, it, you know, Anything. We, Dean, I, I walked into black, I was in black rifle coffee right. there with those guys and Dean just walked in. Um, Cause he was with the guys after me and, and we connected obviously being, being from the same, the same Island and, and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, it's been, it's, it's incredible to the way you reached out and, and how supportive you've been just in the short time that we've known each other. And so I, I can't say thank you enough. Listen, I'm, uh, I'm here to help in any way. If anybody knows me, that's, that's all my life is. My life is trying to make sure that people get what they need because I never want another person to struggle the way that I had to, that so many of our friends had to, it's just, it's unnecessary, not needed. And there's a better way to do it. I'm also shocked though, that you could get in the door with Dean's big ass ears and his traps just kind of walk. I'm shocked. Like when he walks in, I'm surprised there was room or air for you to do anything. That's for you, Dean. I'm really shocked, but it's, if there's anything I've learned about being dropped back into this community is that if you are around the right people, those people will go the distance for you in ways that most my family members won't. And so when Dean says, this is a guy you need to be having a chat with, I listen, I pay attention and I show the fuck up. And now our community is going to do the same thing for you because you're doing it for people in a selfless way. That is, if anything, inspirational and not in the cheesy way, my friend. Yeah, thank you. I mean, look, again, we're trying and we'll keep trying and we'll keep doing it. And, uh, you know, it's all we need. Yeah. And it's, it's just cool to have so many people 
supporting us and supporting what we're doing. It, it keeps me in, in, in aligned with, okay, what we're doing is right. What we're doing is it, it's on the right path. Let's just keep pushing, you know? Yeah. And, and it will, and it will keep going down that way. Hey, Joe Rogan, you need to get this guy on. This guy's serious and he's legit. I'm just saying, can you tell everyone where they can find your website, the social medias to reach out and, and pretty much anything that to support you guys? Yeah, overwatchfoundationusa.org is the website. Uh, you can donate there. We even have like specific things. Like if you want to buy a pair of boots for a Ukrainian soldier, click this button, you know, an IFAC or this kind of stuff. Uh, my Instagram is Mark Turner BJJ. Um, the Overwatch Foundation is the, the foundation's Instagram. Um, and you can get a hold of me, you know, if you send me a DM or, or a message on Instagram, I'll get back to you. Um, you can email me if you want to. It's mark at uh, overwatchfoundationusa.org. Okay, we'll put everything in the show notes and make sure as soon as this comes out that everybody knows exactly where to find you. You stick with me. Everyone else, that's been Mark. We'll see you all next week.